How many of you have ever been to a yard sale? Any of you? Yeah. You bought three yards. Yeah, I, I keep offering on the garages, but I've not gotten any, any bites on that. I want to take you to Fresno, California. It's triple digits. It's hot. And a guy is going through boxes on a table. You know, he's, he overhears the children's toys, and here's the clothes and the Tupperware, and, and all those things that people like to sell and he finds a box and it's filled with negatives black and white negatives but they're glass negatives and they're pictures of Yosemite and he thinks this is this is pretty cool I I, I, I like these hey how much well, would you do uh, 35? You know how the little bargaining starts going on. Oh, okay, okay, how about 40? 45, will you do 45 bucks for this box of negative? And the, and the person, yeah, 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 take them, take them, take them. I, they've been sitting in my garage. I think we got them from a salvage company years ago. Yeah, just, just take them, $45. And he takes them home, and he keeps them in his garage, and he looks at them, and he blows a few up, and he just thinks they're amazing. And he begins to talk to people, and he takes them to some experts. And the experts say this. You have found the lost Ansel Adams negatives. Now, for those of you who do not know who Ansel Adams is, he was a famous photographer years ago, and he took pictures of Yosemite. The man immediately moved those glass things into a safe because they became appraised at two hundred million dollars I have never done that when I've been garage sailing have you two hundred million here in the midst of Tupperware and maybe some tools, and all the common things, all the so common, ordinary things, is a treasure. A treasure that most overlook. For he wasn't the first person there that day. He probably wasn't the last. But a treasure. When we come to the Lord's table, we look at bread, and we're like, that's so ordinary. It's so common. I mean, it's just part of life. So why would we even care about the bread? What is the treasure that it hides? What makes it so precious? Why would our God say, hey, this is going to be part of a remembrance meal. Why the bread? Now we need to understand that the people of Israel were the people of bread. In fact, back, way back into the time of the Exodus, we find that, that when they get ready to leave, they're to eat a lamb, 
and unleavened bread. Unleavened bread, unyeasted bread, unrisen bread, because that yeast, that leaven, is a picture of sin, and they were to be a picture of a people set apart from sin and set apart to God. But it was also bread that could be made quickly. They didn't have to wait for it to rise. They could make it and eat it because they were going to be people on a mission. And so they become the people of the bread. In fact, on their journey, you might remember, in the wilderness, God sends them bread. He sends them manna from heaven. And he sends them manna for heaven for years and years and years. Cookbooks were created. How to fix manna in 1,001 ways. people of the bread. And so, if you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22, I want to show you something. This is very dangerous, Braxton, to leave me M&Ms up here. Luke chapter 22. They are in the middle of a Passover meal, a Passover type of meal, a meal of remembrance, because this was the week of Passover. And bread was part of that meal. Bread was central to that meal. Not only the Passover lamb, not only the cups, but the bread. And so Jesus does something. He picks up the bread, and the bread has been the symbol of freedom. Bread has been the symbol of throwing off slavery. Bread has been the symbol of being set apart as a people to God. And he takes the bread and he holds it up and he changes everything. He turns everything upside down. Notice what he does. Chapter 22 of the book of Luke, I'm going to start reading in verse 19. And he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying... This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, he started out very traditional. He took the bread. He took the bread, and then he gave thanks. The Jewish people knew that you always gave thanks, for bread was a gift from God. Now, there were two kinds of breads that they tended to eat. One was barley. That was the bread of the poor, and the other was wheat. That was the bread of the rich. You might go back in time and remember when Jesus took the little kid's lunch and he, and he multiplied it. Those were barley loaves. It meant the little guy didn't come from a wealthy family. This may have been his only meal for the whole day, but he gives it to God. He gives it to Jesus. And Jesus takes that barley loaf and makes it multiply. So... He takes the bread and he gives thanks. Now because they were the people of the bread, note what it says. And he broke it. Knives were never used with the bread. That was considered cruel. Bread was so precious in their sight that it could only be gently torn, gently broken. Because that was a symbol to them. It was a symbol that, that they were honoring God for his gift. 
but it was also a picture of something to come. And we will see that in just a moment. So he gives it to them. He passes it out. They're all thinking this is the normal ceremony. And then he says this. This is my body. What? What do you mean? Now we know that up to this point, you've been telling people that you are the bread of life. We know in John chapter 6, you told people unless they feast on you, they're not going to have eternal life. And in fact, it says in John 6, verses 66, that many stopped walking because they're going, I can't get this picture out of my mind. You almost sound like you're wanting us to do cannibalism here, Jesus. I can't do this. And Jesus with his disciples says this, this is my body. What are you saying? He is not pushing transubstantiation or consubstantiation. Those are two views. Uh, let me see if I can just quickly define them. One says that the moment you take this, it becomes the actual blood and actual body of Christ. Others say no, it becomes the spiritual blood and the spiritual body. He's standing there. It's not his body. It's not his blood. He's with them. So it wouldn't need to be a spirit. But in Jewish thinking, what happens is you become sharing yourself. Everything about him he's giving them. He says, Every time you look at that piece of bread, I want you to think of me. I want you to understand that you are seeing a picture of me. And not just part of me, but all of me. Who I am, what I believe, where I'm going, my direction, my views. These are all yours. You have the ability to have a partnership with me. You have the ability to take part of me and put me within you. I want you to understand, too, this is a statement of covenant. Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you would, back to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. And I want you to look, starting in verse 9, and I'm just going to give you the overview of it because we don't have time to go into the beautiful depth. But this is called the Abrahamic Covenant, the Abraham Promise. It's a promise that can't be broken. It's a promise between Abraham and God. And they make a covenant, and, and it's a little gory. He takes animals, and, and, he, and he kills them, and he puts them on the side of a, of, of a hill, and, and in the middle is a little valley and when they would make promises, when they would make covenants back then, it was very much like a wedding. The two parties would meet in the middle. The two parties would exchange gifts. They would exchange symbols, like we do, rings. They would make vows to each other. 
Now, in our marriage ceremony, we say this, until death do us part. That comes from this idea of a covenant. But what they would say is, if I break this covenant, if I break it, may what was done to those animals be done to me. May I die before I break the covenant. And if I break the covenant, I deserve punishment. Now I want you to see something here. This is very powerful. And look at verse 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. Now, I can't go into all the detail. We don't have time. But that those two items were representing God. Notice that Abraham never goes into the valley. God says and introduces an idea of a vicarious representation. God says, I will represent not only myself, but I will represent you, Abraham, and whatever you do, if you break this covenant, I will take the punishment. Now let that sink in. Abraham is getting the deal of the century. Imagine if I went in, uh, uh, Steve has, uh, I go into Steve's bank, and I sit down and say, hey Steve, I, I really would like a loan. I have found a car. I've decided that my 1999 Ford Ranger has gone as far as it can go. And I've been looking at this new 2017. Woo! Pickup. Oh, man, it's got everything. And uh, they, they want, like, you know, 50, 60 grand for it. But here's the deal. Um, if I don't make any payments, I still want the loan. And I don't want you to ever repossess it. I don't want you to, you know, you know if, if I mess up, that's, that's on you. Steve would say, you know, the Lord has spoken to me and he's recommending you go to the bank down the street. <laughs> Who in their right mind makes a deal where they say, we'll have this deal with you, but we'll take all the, all the risk. And if there's a problem, we'll take the punishment. Now go back to Luke. This idea of representation is what Jesus is saying here. This is my body, and when you look at it, I want you to see that it's a promise because it's been given for you. I am entering a covenant with you, and I will take the punishment if you break the covenant. In fact, you've already broken it, and I will be punished for it. And I will stand in your place. And when the, when the wrath of God falls on me on the cross, it's as if you're standing there with me. You get all the benefit. I'll take all the loss. Let that sink in. Every time you look at the bread, go, this is, is a symbol of Christ's promise 
his covenant with me. His willingness to take the loss because of my sin. Scott quoted Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him. The Lord put on him the sin of us all. This is what it's teaching. So when you look at the bread, I want you to get that. I want you to see that. It is also a picture of unity. John 6, Jesus was talking. You need to take part of my flesh. You need to be united with me. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I want you to look down to verse 16. The cup of blessing that we bless, is that not participation in the blood of Christ? Now get this. The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? When we take the bread... I want you to see that it is a picture of your unity with Jesus Christ. He is part of you and you are part of Him. You're part of His body. You're part of His, in unity with Him. You're under His leadership. You're under His headship. As we saw last week, you're reminded that we participate with Him in His death, His burial, and resurrection. You are raised to His new life. So every time you look at the bread, I want you to see the picture. The picture that you are one with Christ. And because I'm one with him, he lives his life in me. There was a little girl. And mom was explaining this whole idea of Jesus living his life through you. Galatians 2.20. And the little girl goes, Mommy, Jesus is God, right? Yes, he is. And he's living in me, right? Right. And as God, he's bigger than me, right? Yes, dear, you're getting it. Yes, yes. Then wouldn't he leak out? Oh, friends, she had good theology. When we look at the bread, one of the questions you need to say is, as I see Jesus Christ and I united, is he leaking out? Is he overflowing me? Is he coming through me? Are people seeing him in me? You notice I keep using the idea of a picture. I want you to understand that that God's Bible is a picture book of him. Now some of you may not know what picture books are because you are in the age of uh, uh, smartphones and iPads and Kindles. But way back when, you would go to someone's house and they would have picture books on their coffee table. And the idea was that someone could take them and look at them and see the story. Well, you know what? That's what this is. It's a picture book of God. One of my favorite picture books is 
uh, Good Dog Carl. I don't know if you've ever read that. It's a, it's a fun book to read with little kids because there's nothing to read. It opens up. There's this beautiful Rottweiler, and the Rottweiler's with the baby, and Mom takes off. Take care of the baby, Carl. And Carl and the baby go on adventures, and then they get home just before Mom gets home, and she pats him on the head and says, Good dog, Carl. I don't have to talk with you about um, the responsibility of leaving your baby with a dog and going off for the day. We don't recommend that. But it tells a story. When we look at the bread, it tells a story. And notice that the next picture that it shows is that we are united with each other. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. The bread we break is not participation in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is also another word for the church. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we partake of the one bread. I love communion, but one of the things I wish we could go back to is the way it was done in the house church. You would have one loaf, and you would take it, and you would break off your piece, and you would hand it to the next person and say, this is Christ's body, which is given for you. And then you would pass it around, and everyone would eat off the one common piece of bread. We would need a really big piece of bread to do that too. But I, I missed that picture, but that was the picture. It said when you were all eating that one piece of bread, it didn't matter if you're rich or poor, slave or free, Jew or Gentile, young or old, male or female, you were one in Christ. You were part of His body, and every time you look at the bread, I want you to see that you are one. I want you to remember that you are reminded every time you look at the bread to treat each other with the honor due to those in the body of Christ. I want you to remember the 101 and other passages and strive to lift in such a way that you lift up and exalt even the weakest of us in the body of Christ. When he said, this is my body, which is given for you. He said, do this in remembrance of me. So the next picture is, it is simply a picture of Jesus. Today it's fun to look at pictures, isn't it? To remember the past. To connect. I love looking at the pictures of friends and family. I love remembering the way they were. I love remembering the way they are. And so when we see the bread, we see a picture of Jesus and how precious he is to us. There was an auction. A wealthy man with great artwork died. And he put it in his will, we're going to auction off all my artwork. Because his son had died years before. And so they got ready to do the auction and he said, now there's a stipulation in this. We have to auction off a portrait of his son first. Because his son had died and he was so precious to him, we have to auction off his portrait first. And everyone grumbled. Get to the good stuff. We don't want a picture of him. Get to the good stuff. 
But there was a man who had watched the boy grow up. He had been a servant in the home. And he said, I would like to buy that. And they looked at him and said, well, $10? He goes, I, I, I've only got two. Let him have it. He can have it for $2. And so he reached in his pocket and he pulled out the $2. And at that, the auctioneer took his gavel and hit the, hit the stand. He says, this closes our auction. What? What do you mean it's closed? We want the good stuff. That's why we're here. And the man with the gavel, the auctioneer, said, Well, it was in the will. Whoever got the son got it all. Every time you look at the bread, realize we have the son. And we have it all. We have the riches of heaven. We have the ability to talk to our Heavenly Father. We have the ability to be called the children of God. Also, when we look at the bread and we take the bread, it reminds us that we have Him with us. There was a guy by the name of Leslie Weatherhead, and he tells the story of a little boy who went to an orphanage. His parents had been killed. One of the first items on the agenda was to get him a new set of clothes, and so they gave him a new pair of pants, a new shirt, a pair of shoes that shined, and he had never had these, and this just made his face glow. But then he was offered a new hat, and he wouldn't take it. He hung on to his worn-out hat. And finally, he was coaxed to try a new hat. He tried it on. He liked it. But then he did something funny. He reached inside his old cap and tore out the lining and placed it in his pocket. The person working with him looked at him and said, What are you doing? And he said, The lining is part of my mother's dress. It's all I've got left of her. And somehow it seems to bring her back. When we take the bread, it reminds us to bring it back. One more picture. It reminds us that Jesus wants to break bread with us. We're family. One of my favorite places in the world is Lake Tahoe, and there is a restaurant that all the locals go to. And when you walk in the restaurant, all the walls are covered with mugs. Every local brings their own mug from home and hangs it on the wall. And it's their way of saying, I'm family, I'm here. And people will actually, you'll watch them, they'll just start looking at the mugs, and, and a person will say, you know what, there's some dust on old Joe's mug, I think we better go call on him this week. Hey, I haven't seen that mug pulled off the wall for a while, we better check on it. 
and that community becomes family in that restaurant. And they all come up, and you can tell the locals because they all have their own mugs. And Donna and I stand out as visitors because we're using the mugs that they give us in the coffee shop. Friends, when you take this bread today, understand it's a picture that you are family. It is a picture, a picture of Christ, a picture of a promise that is kept, a picture of unity with Jesus, a picture of unity with each other. It is a picture of the fact that you don't have to forget how precious he is when you look at a common piece of bread.